0: Well, let's pray and ask God to meet us in the word this morning. Thank you for the things that were just shared, Lord. And thank you so much for the, the rich time of worship that we've had together. And I pray that you'd meet us now as we open up the scriptures. I pray that you'd help me. Give me clarity of mind, Lord, and, and the right heart. Just fill me, Lord, with love for you and love for the flock here, and love for your word, and uh, guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Help me to say things that would be accurate, and, um, and I pray that each one of us, me, each each one of us, Lord, would would meet you in the scriptures because of our time together now in the word. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's turn to Isaiah 26. We're continuing our series in Isaiah. In fact, if you don't have a Bible, we'd like to bring one to you so that you can look along with us. Isaiah chapter 26. uh, I'm sorry, did I say 26? Yeah, that's that's the one we're in. And it's on page 586 in the Bibles that we're passing out. So that you can just make sure you got a Bible, page 586, so you can follow along with us. Here's what uh, Isaiah wants to tell us this morning. He wants to tell us, remind us, Maybe tell you for the first time that God promises to give you peace. A lot of the songs are about that. A lot of the sharing was about that. Psalm 34 was about that, Sharon. Okay, God promises to give us peace. He promises to work in our hearts so that we feel no fear, no anxiety, no dread, no nervousness, no insecurity. He promises to give us peace. Okay, so, like, take a look inside your heart right now, okay? Just kind of probe down in there. Like, what are you feeling right now? You might think, nothing. Well, oh, no, just dig a little deeper, okay? <laughs> Guys, dig a little deeper. There's something going on in there. The heart's beating, all right? And I, I would guess that probably every single one of us here this morning, if, if you dig down deep, you'll find some pockets of worry, right? Or of anxiety or insecurity, dread, fear, anxiousness. Okay, we've all got pockets of those things in there. Maybe maybe it's that uh, you got a report from the teacher this week that your child isn't doing so well in school, and ah, you know, just the fear or the nervousness of that. Or maybe there's, you know, concerns about possible layoffs at your workplace. Or maybe you've got a, your doctor said you need to go get an extra test on something. It's like, ah, medical health issues possibly. And I'm pretty sure that every single one of us, if if you probe down in your heart, you'll find pockets of fear, nervousness, insecurity, anxiety. Worry, okay? But this morning, what Isaiah wants us to understand, this is an amazing truth, is that God promises to give you peace. The the God who who is, who who exists, and who's created everything, the God who sent Jesus so that you could be forgiven for all your sins and reconciled to him as your loving father, the God that you know, the God who is, promises to give us peace. And the scripture I want you to see for that is Isaiah 26, verse 3. Look at what Isaiah says. He's, He's talking directly to God here in this verse. He's talking to God. Isaiah 26, 3. He says, you, speaking to God, you keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because... He trusts in you. You know, this verse, along with every other verse in Isaiah and every other verse in the Old Testament, wasn't written just for Old Testament Israel. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10 that every verse in the Old Testament was written for us today. But it was written for Old Testament Israel also, and they especially needed to hear this truth At this point in reading through the book of Isaiah and hearing the book of Isaiah, they needed to especially hear about God promising to give peace. So I thought, let's start this morning by asking the question, why did Israel especially need to hear this? Why? What was going on that they needed to hear about how God gives peace? And the reason is simply because what Isaiah had written in chapters 1 through 25 a lot of things we're going to cover in a second up there but something was going to happen in their immediate future that would have caused all of them listening to fear and to worry okay so here's a quick summary chapters 1 through 12 Isaiah talks about how Israel has sinned and God is going to punish them for it it's happening God's decreed it he's going to raise up Assyria who's going to invade Israel conquer Israel Israel will be punished for her sin that's chapter 1 through 12 a lot of other stuff going on there as well but that's the thing that Isaiah's readers would have just went, oh. Okay, and then we saw last week, chapter 13 through 23. We covered all those chapters last week because we saw oracle after oracle after oracle against many different nations about how in their immediate futures, God's going to pour his wrath and judgment upon them. And Israel was one of those nations mentioned. So Israel, again, in their immediate future, Assyria is going to be raised up by God to invade and to conquer them. Then in chapter 24, we have a view of the very end of history where God is going to judge everyone for sin who's not found in Christ. That's chapter 24. But that's not the end of the story. Chapter 25, and you've got to read chapter 25, it's a beautiful description of God's saving work in his people men and women, every nation, tongue, and tribe, Gentiles, Jews, who have bent the knee before him, received Jesus as Savior, Lord, and treasure. God says he removes death from the earth. He removes the curse from the earth, the curse from Genesis chapter 3. He puts on a lavish banquet for believers from every nation, tongue, and tribe, and he will wipe tears from all faces. You've got to read Isaiah 25. It's, it's a beautiful passage. Okay, but still, if you're an Israelite having gone through chapter 1, 2, 3, all through the section, yes, the future's glorious, but you would have been weighed down I think, and Isaiah is keenly aware that you would have been weighed down by the prospect of having Assyria invade your country. And so that's why in chapters 26 and 27, read them both all the way through. We're not going to go through them verse by verse, but in Isaiah 26 and 27, Isaiah speaks words of comfort, encouragement, consolation, strength, God's promises. I mean, let's just feel for a second why you would have needed to hear this if you were an Israelite. Let's say that a bona fide prophet, somebody who you knew heard from God like Old Testament prophets did, New Testament prophets too, that's a whole other topic. Anyway, um, a bona fide prophet said God has decreed that he's going to punish America for her sins and he's raising up China to invade and conquer. How would you feel? would you need some comfort and some consolation? You would. And that's why Isaiah writes chapter 26 and 27 to bring comfort and consolation in what God's going to promise to do for them through this immediate future. So what does God promise to do? I think you can summarize it all in Isaiah 26, 3. Read it again. You keep him in perfect Peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I hope that just blows your mind. That is an astonishing statement. H- have you gotten kind of familiar with the Bible so you can just read stuff like that and just say, Well, okay, I, I know that one. What else did he say? Or do you just like say, Wait a minute. Think about what he's saying there. God will keep you in perfect peace. That means God will give you perfect peace and God will keep you in perfect peace. Now, the phrase perfect peace in the Hebrew, it's the the Hebrew word for peace, shalom, repeated twice. You will keep him in shalom, shalom. And the reason that it's repeated twice is that's one of the ways in the Hebrew language that perfection is described, which is why the English Standard Version, I think probably most of the versions, do most of the versions translate it perfect peace? Okay, that's wise, because it's the word repeated twice, which means perfect peace. So imagine what it would be like to feel perfect peace. Imagine having no Fear. I mean, as you look to your present circumstances and as you look to the eternal future, as you look at your entire existence from here on in and you feel no fear, no worry, no anxiety, no insecurity, no dread, just peace, well-being, contentment. That's what God promises to give. Perfect peace. Now, you might be thinking, uh, that's just not possible. That's, that's never going to happen in me. Um, I wouldn't be surprised that some of you, uh, in your heart, you feel so chained, bound by fear and worry this morning that you couldn't imagine even an imperfect peace, maybe. I mean, I, I would guess that some of you live in fear. And live in in dread and insecurity, but what I want you to understand from this verse is that this perfect peace is not something that you come up with. Did you catch that? This is something that God gives to you and keeps you in. This is something that supernaturally God does, and we 're talking about God here. Can God take a heart that is chained up with? Worry and fear and insecurity, and can God, by His supernatural power, break in and implant perfect peace in that heart? You bet He can. No matter how daunting or no matter how worrisome the situation or the circumstances might be, God can do this. God promises to give perfect peace. Now, this one verse. It's the Holy Spirit inspired Isaiah to write this. It's God's words. It's 100% perfect truth from God. That one verse should be enough. But just to help you, let me give you two other verses to kind of buffer this truth. Okay? Look at John 14, verse 27. This is on page 901 in the Bibles we passed out. Look at John 14, 27. I want to show you that Jesus teaches the same thing, and I'm going to show you that Paul teaches the same thing, So we got Isaiah, we got Jesus, we got Paul, okay, we got a lot of a lot of backing here. All right. One of those should be enough. But I just want to overdo it here because we 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 Isaiah's got his work cut out for us in terms of persuading us about this. Because you may be doubtful. Look at John 14 27. Here's what Jesus said to his disciples Peace I leave with you. My peace. Don't you love that? My peace I give to you. What's Jesus' peace like? It's perfect. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Oh, yeah, I know. Peace comes, peace goes. No, 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 no. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Their hearts were troubled, their hearts were afraid. Specific context Jesus was leaving. But this applies to all of us whenever our hearts are troubled or afraid. And Jesus promises to give his peace, his perfect peace to you. Okay, second verse, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Who quoted that earlier today? Like during spiritual gifts, was it, or during the sharing time? Somebody did, right? Look at Philippians 4, 6, and 7. That's page 982 in the Bibles we just passed out. Philippians chapter 4. This is, I was just, I was out by the creek, trail by our house last night and I was going over this verse this is an astonishing verse I'm so glad that the Holy Spirit had Paul write these two verses Philippians 4 6 and 7 this is page 982 do not be anxious about anything that's a command right like thou shalt not commit adultery thou shalt not be anxious about anything both are commands from God. How? But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't you love that? Okay, now back to Isaiah 26, 3. So we've got Paul in Philippians 4. We've got Jesus in John 14. And we've got Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 26, 3. Isaiah says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So God promises to give perfect peace. Peace. He promises that by his supernatural power, no matter how filled you are with anxiety or worry or dread or insecurity or fear, he promises that by his power, he can change your heart. So you are completely, perfectly at peace. Now, how does he do that? How does he do that? Before I answer that from this verse, I want you to think about how do we usually try to get that? Okay, followers of Jesus. How how do we usually try to get peace? Because nobody likes to feel worried or fearful, right? When you feel worry or fear, one of the first things you want to do is get rid of it, right? So I thought of three common ways. There's probably some others, but three common ways. One way is we try to get peace by escaping from the problem, right? So we just... Don't think about it. Maybe you lose yourself in a movie or in a in a novel or with a six pack or something like that. Okay, so just you just don't don't think about it. You escape from busy yourself at work, maybe. Very common. Does that give you perfect peace? No, it gives you maybe a little bit of peace for as long as you're escaping, right? That's one way though. Another way we try to get peace is by analyzing the problem. Okay, let's say that there's rumors maybe of layoffs at your work. And so you're just like, oh, in the pit of your stomach, there's just this cold fear that comes upon you. And so another approach instead of escaping would be to, to, to think about the problem. So what are the odds that I'll get laid off? And, and what could I do maybe to not get laid off? And, and then if I did get laid off, look, what would my plan A, my plan B, my plan C, B? Now there's nothing wrong with thinking about the problem. Jesus would call you to think about the problem. Okay, but that's not how you get perfect peace. You don't get perfect peace that way. So sometimes we try to get peace by escaping the problem, sometimes by analyzing the problem, and then this third one, I had a hard time thinking about how to phrase it. I thought of clicheing the problem, Jan thought about christianizing, christianizing, christianizing the problem. Here's what I mean. It's like, you know, you got a, got a problem, you, you're, you're worried, you're fearful, you know you should be at peace, so you say to yourself, oh, it's okay, I'm, I'm, I'm trusting the Lord, God's good, it's going to work out, it'll be fine. Blah, 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 okay? Your mouths talk peace, your heart's like, ah! Right? I think a lot of us do that. It's like, well, these are the words, and the words are true. But we just let them be words. And we, like, somehow, it's like you're papering over the problem with words. Doesn't bring peace either. How does God give us his perfect peace? It's right there in Isaiah 26 3. <laughs> you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed fixed on you because he trusts in you. So the way that God brings perfect peace is through us staying, fixing our minds on God, trusting God. Through that, God gives you perfect peace and keeps you in perfect peace. Okay, you might think, can't be that simple, Pastor Steve. Can't be that simple. Well, you, you read the verse, right? Okay? Okay. I mean, it's what he says, isn't it? You keep him in perfect peace. Who? Who? Not everyone. Him whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Will everyone whose mind is stayed on God and trusting in God, according to this verse, will that person have perfect peace? Yes! It's not a trick question. Okay? We need to just read and ponder and think deeply but when it's simple let it be simple you will keep him in perfect peace you will keep him you keep him promise whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you it is simple but doesn't mean it's easy doesn't mean it's easy it is not easy it is war when you set your heart to Fix your mind upon God and trust in God. All hell breaks loose, spiritually speaking, in terms of war. Understand this. Why? You've been born again. Okay? God has implanted a new nature in you. Do you know that? You should. You can't have that happen and not feel it. Okay, a new nature. He's broken the power of sin in you. You're a new creation. You love God more than anything. You're you're not sinless, though. Even though he's broken the power of sin and implanted a new nature in you, there is still indwelling sin. Right? Okay? When will sin be totally gone? Heaven. Right now, you've got a brand new nature, powerful, but there's still indwelling sin. And so when you seek to set your heart upon God and trust in God war begins because at that moment in time, you will feel your heart wanting, let's just what's on TV, you know, and can't you just, let's go just everything else. You're, you're being pulled and you will need to fight to fix your heart upon God and to trust in God. It's so, so crucial. So it's not easy. It is simple, but it's not easy, but it is simple. Okay. So, what is it that we fix our, our minds on, in terms of, on God? What, what, what do we think about? Because you might think, okay, I'm thinking God's a creator. It's not working. Okay, I'm still fearful. God's, God's powerful. Uh, I'm still afraid, okay? What do we think about? And I, I think a, a, a beautiful clue is in that next word, trust. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. It's not just thinking about God, it's trusting God. And whenever you're trusting someone, there's always a promise implied. They've promised you something. You trust them to do what they've promised. And so to stay, to fix your mind on God and to trust in God means you are trusting in a promise, God's promises. One of the themes. Here at Mercy Hill Church is, and it's it's all through the scripture, is trusting God's promises. Do you know God's promises? Your faith will only be as strong as the number of promises that you know. Or the depth of knowledge of those promises. And so what what promises will God use to give us peace? And I just went through Isaiah chapter 26 and said, does Isaiah give us any promises of God? That that we would fix our minds upon and, and get peace if we were Israel reading through this. And I found three of them. Three promises in Isaiah 26 that I think, in fact, I've I've been using this this week as as fears have risen, as um, worries have come. These three promises have been very helpful, just the, the way that he articulates them here. So three promises. Let's go through them. First of all, the first promise is this. Trust that God will completely satisfy you in himself. You might think, what does that have to do with fears and worries? Everything. Everything. Because whenever you're fearful or worried, here's why it is. If you think about it, you'll see this is true. Whenever you're fearful or worried, it's because there is something that you've been relying on for heart satisfaction that's being threatened. There's something you've been relying on for security, for joy, for pleasure, for future, for identity, for meaning that's being threatened. Like, let's just say, for example, that there's um, lay, uh, r- rumors of layoffs at your workplace, okay? And you, we all rely on work for heart satisfaction, the identity of, of your job. Maybe you get kudos from your job. There's pleasure of doing your job well. These aren't bad things, okay? God gifts us with work, and he, he meets us in that. There's, there's, the, there's the money. There's the security of the income that comes. There's the things that money can purchase. You can provide for your family. There's lots of heart security tied up in having a job, right? Which is why when there's rumors of layoffs or when you get laid off, it can be such a devastating thing. It's because you are relying on that to provide heart satisfaction for you. That's why we fear and worry. If if you will probe into your heart for the things that you're fearing, the things that you're worried about, that's the reason. It's because heart satisfaction is being threatened if that thing goes away or if that event happens. Now, with that in mind, look at what Isaiah says in Isaiah 26, 8 and 9. Isaiah 26, 8, and 9. I started memorizing these verses last year, and I had no idea I was going to be preaching on them. This is so interesting. In the path of your judgments, O Lord, we wait for you. What's that talking about? The path of your judgments is that we are here, part of the nation of Israel. Your judgments are coming upon Israel. In this path where we know your judgments are coming, we are waiting on you. We're we're trusting in you. We are looking to you. That's what the first line is. So how... Do we wait on God? How do we trust in God as we're in this path? Here's how your name and remembrance are the desire of our soul. My soul yearns for you in the night. My spirit within me earnestly seeks you. Now, why would Isaiah's soul earnestly seek God and desire God? It's because God is his complete heart satisfaction. That's why. It's because I, Isaiah knows that as he seeks God, as he sets his heart upon God, God will completely, fully, and overflowingly satisfy his, his heart. And so that's what Isaiah is saying. He's trusting God to completely satisfy his heart. There's a promise implied there in verses 8 and 9. So here's the deal. When you trust God, that God, you yourself, will completely Fully, overwhelmingly and overflowingly satisfy my heart when you see that and you trust that you'll be freed from fear freed from worry I try to think of a way to illustrate this and I Paul mentioned in and out earlier okay let me just try to illustrate it this way let's say for example that you were like really really hungry like really like ravenously hungry okay and and here's the french fry okay So here's this this one French fry right there, and you are ravenously hungry. So you are relying on this French fry. It's not a lot, but it's better than nothing. Okay, so you're relying on this French fry, you're gonna be you you just taste the mm, you know, French fries are salty and really good. Don't don't think about it too much. Okay. So you're relying on this. Now, what if some big bully came and said, I'm going to take away that French fry. Now, if you're relying on that, how would you feel? You'd feel fearful? You'd feel worried? Right? Play along, right? You would, right? Okay. All right. <laughs> Give me some grace here. right? So, so you'd, be, you'd be fearful. He'd say, no, no. You'd be worried. You'd be frightened. Huh? It's, it's all I've got. You know and I'm hungry. I'm rival. But now, what if somebody said, wait a minute. Don't you realize what else you have? What do you mean, what else do I have? Let me show you what else you have. This is an amazing thing. Okay. We've got, we've got, we've got, we've got, we've got French fries. Okay. We've got like... You've got, like, French fries here for you, okay? We've got, we got, we got lots... You, you, you've got, you got tons of French fries here. You've got, you got, you got French fries here, okay? okay you're... Now, if you realize that, how would you feel about the fact that the bully might take your one French fry away? Would you care? Okay, now... Now, understand, I, I mean this with absolute seriousness. This is how it works. Whenever you are fearful of losing some earthly object. And I don't make light of it because that can be very hard for us. Okay. But this is exactly what it's like. There's something that you've been enjoying and relying on for heart satisfaction. And when you're, when you're worried, it's because you, you, you are forgetting. You're forgetting this and you're just, you're focused on this. And when you stop and say, wait a minute, I can trust you. You will completely satisfy my heart. And then you seek him and then you find and you you have always. And, and Lord, whatever you do with that, it's okay. Because I am satisfied. Do you see how that works? This is is so crucial for us to get now. For this to work, though, it, it, one thing has to happen, you have to have experienced God as your all-satisfying treasure. Otherwise, it's just words. And you can't cliche yourself into this reality. I think this is one of the crying needs in the church today. This is is a passion God's put in my heart to experience this more and to preach this as as best and explain it as best I possibly can. Have you experienced in your heart times where you have Met God in Jesus Christ and been filled. So you could say to him, Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, your truth abideth still, your kingdom is forever. Let it all go. If I have you, I don't need anything else. Have you felt that? That is your. Heritage as a follower of Jesus is to have him so fill you in that way. Have you experienced that? This is so crucial. Now, uh, let me just clarify this. Like I said, this this is simple, but it's not easy. It's war. It's a battle. We should all either be battling to experience Christ in this way or experiencing Christ in this way either battling or experiencing. And frankly, friends, most of my life is not experiencing. Most of my life is battling. Okay? And I think that's, that's, that's the way it is. But we should never be doing nothing or be seeking our satisfaction in something else uh, as, apart from Christ. So this is how it works when we trust that that God is our all-satisfying treasure and we experience the outpouring of his love in our hearts and the revelation of Jesus' glory in our hearts that we are completely satisfied, we're going to be transformed. And we will be at peace over those things that we were worried about. Now, does that make sense? This is so crucial for us to get. And see, like I said, I think this is one of the most important needs in the church today. This... Reality of experiencing Jesus in our hearts completely satisfying us. This is where love for others comes from. This is where generosity with our money comes from. This is where care for the poor comes from. This is where caring for the needy and the oppressed comes from. Because when your heart is full, high pressure zone flows to low pressure zones, like John Piper says, okay? Love flows. This is where love comes from. But how Many of us experience this. Okay. And like I said, I fight more than I experience. All right. But I think that that's the biblical Christian life. Okay. So the first promise to trust is father, I might lose my job or my husband might have cancer now, these are big things. I don't want to make light of these at all, okay? But this is accurate without making light of the pain this would cause because the reality is that God will completely satisfy you whatever He has come your way. When you experience God in fullness in this way, you can say, all I need is you. All I need. Psalm 73, 25 and 26. Oh God, you are my God. That's Psalm Psalm 42. Whom have I in heaven but you? That's Psalm 73. Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, besides you, what? I desire nothing on earth. That is the reality of God. Okay, so that's the first promise. But there's more. That's the biggest one, but there's there's more to kind of tie up some loose ends. Second, trust that God will ordain peace for you. Look at the first half of chapter 26, verse 12. O Lord you will ordain peace for us. You, God, will ordain peace for us. Now, what that means is that because you're trusting Jesus Christ, justified, born again by faith, because you're trusting Jesus Christ, you can know that the God who's in sovereign control over everything will orchestrate every event in your life to bring you peace. Not the peace of health and wealth, But the peace of knowing God in fullness, as we've described here, that that God will ordain, orchestrate every event in your life to bring you more joy in God. That's what he's going to do. So, see, it's a win-win as you look ahead to the possibilities of your job. And boy, we will pray with you to not lose your job. And we will work and labor to help you get another job if you do get laid off, because God will provide for you. He promises to provide jobs. Okay, he'll... But still, you can be completely at peace because you can say, if you take the job or if you have me give the job, either way, I'm going to get more of you. God will orchestrate every event in your life to bring you more heartfulness in knowing him. So either I'm going to get more of you and be totally satisfied or I'm going to get more of you and be totally satisfied. Okay? so stop worrying. He's infinitely wise. This is so crucial. Third promise. Trust that God will do for you whatever you need. Second half of verse 12. Read the whole thing. O Lord, you will ordain peace for us. For you have indeed done for us all our works. Everything that God's people do God has done for them. This is a mind-blowing verse. Implications are broad. I'm just going to home in though on, on this one issue. Have God's people been wise? It's because God gave them wisdom. Have God's people been strong in faith? It's because God gave them strong faith. Have God's people had financial resources to provide? It's because God gave them financial resources to provide. Everything that God's people need to do. God will do for them, provide for them, do in them. This is crucial because let's say you look ahead to your future. Okay, job, what's going to happen with my job? And oh man, if I get laid off, I'm going to need wisdom and I'm going to need to make some decisions and I'm going to need finances. And and what God wants you to understand is he'll provide everything you need. Everything you need. You need wisdom. James one, five, he will provide you with all the wisdom that you need. Need spiritual strength. Strength. Strong faith, Philippians 4.13, my God will, how's it go? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4.13. Need finances? God promises, Matthew 6.33, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and everything you need, important word, but everything, everything you need will be provided to you. Everything. If you're seeking first God's kingdom, you will never not have Anything you need. So so think about how this works. These three promises together, you're looking ahead to your future. First of all, this issue I'm concerned about, the one French phrase over here God, you will completely satisfy my heart in yourself. I have you. You are the treasure of treasures. In in God's presence, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand, there's pleasures forever. So, God, I have you. I can be completely, not just satisfied, but filled in you alone. Oh, Father, help me to feel that more, experience that more, go deeper in that more. That's the starting point, and that, that alleviates the worry. And then secondly, whether God has this stay or has this go, whatever, if he has it go, it's because there's there's more french fries coming over here, or if he has it stay, it's because that's gonna bring even more french fries over here. Either way, there's more over here. Okay, whatever God does, he orchestrates every event to bring you even more heart satisfaction in him. Okay, then I'm gonna need wisdom. It might be hard. I'm going to need strong faith. I'll be tempted. I'm going to need provision. God will give you everything. Wisdom, strength, provision, everything you need, God will provide for you. So do you see what this does? As you look ahead to your future, there is no conceivable thing that could cause you to fear or worry. Because your heart will be full of God. Fully, completely satisfied in knowing God. Every turn of the road is going to bring you more satisfaction in God. Oh, it's a left turn. Ah, but that's going to mean more satisfaction in God. I was expecting that. Left turn. Oh, right turn. Oh, but that's, okay, more. Every turn in the road, God has ordained to bring you more heart satisfaction in Him. And everything you need in navigating your journey, He'll provide, He'll provide, He'll provide, He'll provide, He'll provide. Now, when you fight to trust these promises, you will keep Him. God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Okay, let me just see if there's a couple quick questions just to clarify. I might have, you know, you might not have caught something. I might have said something like that I didn't think I said or maybe I did. But anyway, um, and then I wanted to have us do a little lab together where we work this through and, and ask the Holy Spirit to come in and, and give us a taste of that perfect peace right now. But any questions just for like, mm, I didn't get that or I'm not sure about that or, I uh think of a, well I, I used this example before, but you know a year ago, June, Jan came home from the doctor's office, and the doctor said she's got a lump in her breast, and she 's got some kind of a growth in her abdomen. <sighs> and she was uh, you know troubled, and I was, I was troubled. So what, what did we do? What did I do? Um, you can say,, oh, you know it'll be fine what's on TV, you know, let's, let's go do something. Let's get, get our minds off the problem. That's not this. It's not this at all. What I did is I, I went before the Lord and I said, Lord, you are all I need. And you know how you've used Jan to help me, but you are all I need. And, uh, it's in your presence that there's fullness of joy. Not, not you plus Jan, just you. And I should have thought about Jan here. And you I did think about her, but right now I was thinking about me. Okay. All right, so both of those are important. And then I said, I just tried to, to, to press in and to see the Lord and to, and to feel that. So I said, yes, yes, that's right. If all I have is you, I'm, I'm doing really well. I'm doing great. And then, Lord, if you choose to have her uh, be ill and, and die, we just try, I try to think through realistically, what might this mean? Um, then you will only do that because you're going to bring me even more of you in that. And, and again, I'm going kind of quick here. It's a process. Okay, but I just say, Father, help me to see that. Help me to feel that. Help me to trust you. You've been flawlessly faithful to me in my life. Look at what you did with Israel in the Old Testament. Look at Jesus hanging on the cross. You love me. I can trust you for this. And so to pray that through until I feel it. And then, Lord, that'd be devastating. I'd have a really hard time if you took Jan home. But you'd give me everything I need. And to to fight to trust him. So, and I'm not saying this is like, you can't like turn a switch on and off. This is a process and, and it's a battle and it's ups and downs, okay? But you're you're fixing your mind on God. Trusting him. Help me. I see you. And uh, you do it together. And I pray for Jan that she wouldn't fear this. And does um, that, that start? I mean, I open up the Bible. I need the Bible open or a three by five card of a verse in front of me That's, or something like that I've memorized. I need the words of God in front of my mind. Not just vague, God's good. What does that mean? God's good. What does that mean? We've got to get more tangible. It means that he is your all-satisfying treasure, that whatever tragedy he allows into your life, he's only allowing that because he's going to bring you even more joy in himself through it, and that he'll provide everything else you need as you go through that tragedy. That's what it means that God is good. But you've got to unpack it. You've got to get real here, okay? Anybody, is that helpful at all? So what do you do when you come home from work? That's what you're asking, right? Sit down at my desk, open my Bible, call a brother, say, do you have a verse for me? Get my three or five cards, head out to the creek trail. Um, What what do you guys do? Somebody else, what do you do? Yeah, get a brother or sister and say, "I'm, I'm not feeling that. Would you pray with me? Just some scriptures for me. Um, God will meet the, the two, the three of you, your home group together, whatever combination it might be. That's really helpful. Yeah. Good. So have, have brothers and sisters help you We're a body here. By the way, Jan went for tests the next Monday. Some of you are probably distracted, wondering, and, and she was fine. And it was, it was nothing. It's an amazing thing. But anyway, that, that's what we did over the weekend. Okay. Oh, it's powerful. And, 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 faith is a gift too. I mean, it, one other thing, and then oh, we're probably going to wrap up, but, uh, if you've not experienced in your heart what it is to to have God totally satisfy you, then then just you know pursue it. And, and Jan wanted me to say, I think this is wise. It, it may take some time, but once once you've tasted, then it's it's like you can fight, 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 and then and then it's it's kind of going to be like this. But I mean, you won't. Does that make sense? Um, this is my experience anyway, is that, is that once once you've tasted of what it is to meet the Lord in that way, it's easier. But if you've lived your Christian life for a while, and, and that hasn't even been part of it, it's just been thinking the right things and doing the right things, um, press in, and, and God will give it to you. It's a supernatural gift. One of the last story. five weeks ago, I, was, I got an email, my heart just sank. I was down in, in Gilroy, at meeting somebody down there, and I and I got, got my email after I met with this person. And in about the next 15 to 20 minutes, I had my packet of verses with me. And um, it took about 15 or 20 minutes. of we just praying. And then all of a sudden, just like Lisa described, my whole outlook changed. I saw God in this. I, I saw that he loved me. I saw that he was in control. And my heart was changed. That's what he will do. And I was strong. And I was at peace. He did it you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And I tell you, for me it's a battle. Like every five minutes, okay? It's just, I mean, it's just just a battle. It's just the Christian life. All right? All right, now let's let's pray together. I want to, this will be a little bit on the brief side, but I just want to leave you with this and so I want to just walk us through this. Think about something that you're afraid of. Something you're fearful of. Something that is causing you anxiety. And, and, And think about how the reason it causes you fear, anxiety, is because there's some heart, peace, contentment, strength, satisfaction that you would not have if this transpired or went away or whatever the, the concern is. So just think about that, okay? Be real. This is what's at stake. This is what the cost would be. And then, now, and this usually would take longer, but then look at Jesus Christ. Just put your heart upon him. His love. His power. His goodness. His faithfulness. His promises. His dying for you on the cross. His resurrection from the dead. His feeding the hungry. His healing the sick. Put your heart upon Jesus. And and ask him by the work of the Holy Spirit. To help you to see him and savor him and be satisfied in him. So it's not just thoughts in your mind, but it's affections in your heart. It's what it means to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what you would do. And so when, when you start to taste the heart fullness that comes from knowing Jesus Christ, then the fear will lessen about whatever you might lose or whatever might happen with that, that one French fire or that one issue that you're concerned about. And I know we're, this would normally take a lot longer, but, but then understand also that whatever happens with that issue, whatever way God has it go, he will have it go whichever way will bring you the most heart satisfaction in God. It's all that he ever does for us. Every turn in the road, every trial that comes, every trial that goes, everything that he does. The reason he does it is to bring you even more heart satisfaction in knowing him. So you can be completely full and then you'll just get even more full. That's what will happen. Your life will go from fullness to fullness, from grace to grace, from strength to strength, every turn in the road. And then, you can arrest in the fact that he also will give you everything you need to navigate the path, wisdom, strength, finance, whatever. He will give you everything you need. So I pray for us now, Lord, quick exercise here. But I ask that this week, when fears arise, when anxieties come, that we would stop as soon as we can and call a brother, call a sister, open your word, pray, put on some worship music. That we would seek you earnestly and fight the fight of faith to trust you and not back off until we meet you and find you and feel complete heart satisfaction and perfect peace in you. I pray that you would do this, Lord, because this will glorify you, because this will be good for our souls, because this will enable us to walk in love towards our neighbors and people at work and husband, wife, children, friends. Do this in us, Lord, I pray for the glory of your name. Amen. Amen.